good to see all of you this morning. Before we dive into Second Peter and, and get into the book this morning, just a couple things. I want to save some announcements for the end, too. But speaking of our worship team, we would love for some of you to consider being part of our worship team. So please talk to Nicole or email her if you would like to be a part of our worship team, whether that's a vocalist, an instrumentalist, to even help with our sound, anything along those lines, our words. Uh, we would love to have more people involved in our worship. And I want to recognize Alex Friggs. Alex, it's good to have you here this morning. Great to see you. Yeah. Also, many of you probably have already noticed in your bulletin, and we're going to do this again next week, you have a map in your bulletin. As we are praying about where God may have us, uh, there is an area that we have found out that seems to be an open area as far as churches go. And so not that we're trying to now put God in a box and saying, well, God, you've got to now open up some land or something for us in this area. But all we're saying is, could you pray with us about this area specifically? And especially those of you that may live in that area, live in that box or near that box, those crossroads and stuff. As you're traveling around, if you see land, if you see something out there that's got a for sale sign on it, please let us know about that. Uh, that might be something that we pursue. If you know somebody that owns land, not just in that area, but obviously anywhere in the Gilbert Chandler area, we would certainly be interested because we just want what God wants for us and what he has for us. But we wanted to specifically give you this because as some of our building team has found out, there's a real void in this particular area for churches, especially churches that are what we would call Christian churches that are proclaiming Jesus and the word of God. Uh, there's a glut of churches, obviously, up by the 60 on both sides. There's a glut of churches up by the 202 on both sides. But as you move down until you go a little bit further east towards Queen Creek or go further west towards in towards Chandler, there's this area that is just, if you Google churches, there's just not a lot that comes up. And so maybe this is an area where God would have us to be. So we just, again, we just want to be praying about that and making that available to you. So I'm excited. I know you find that hard to believe, but uh, I'm really excited about this new series this fall, because as you know, our church, one of our values, one of the things that we focus on here is spiritual growth. We do so for a couple of reasons. One, we believe that the local church is primarily for believers, not for unbelievers. That doesn't mean that unbelievers are not welcome. They're always welcome. But primarily, we believe that God designed the church to be for believers. In fact, we think that's what the church is. That's what the church means. It's for believers. Therefore, the church then is primarily about building believers up, helping us to grow. Primarily, that needs to be a church's focus is the spiritual growth of its people. If we are growing, then we will be the witnesses out in the world that we should be amongst unbelievers and even encouraging other believers around us. The reason I say that is because I believe personally that there is no book in the Bible that inspires Christians to grow 
that instructs Christians about what spiritual growth is and what it's all about more than second Peter. And because that's what we're all about, that's why we put the word of God front and center, not only on Sundays and Tuesdays, but in all of our ministries, because we believe that spiritual growth is primary. That's why I'm so excited about this fall series and working our way through uh, this great book. This morning, we're going to see already in just the first four verses how Peter is wanting to inspire us and instruct us about spiritual growth. You see, some Christians would even maybe say, why, why is spiritual growth even an issue? Why is it important? Why isn't it enough for me just to have believed at some point on the Lord Jesus Christ and know that I'm saved and know that my sins are forgiven and know that I'm on my way to heaven? Why isn't that enough? Two primary reasons that we're going to discover in this book. One, because if we understand the word of God, we understand that God's purpose in saving us was not just to bring us into a relationship with him, have our sins forgiven, and know we're on our way to heaven. God's purpose for salvation is to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. That's God's purpose for saving us. And the only way you and I as Christians can ever be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, and we're going to talk about what that means, is through spiritual growth. I will never be conformed to Christ's image. I will never, you know, fulfill the purpose for why God saved me other than through spiritual growth. And and the second main reason is God created each of us, as we saw Tuesday night, so uniquely. All of us are unique and wonderful and fearful creations of God. And the only way that a Christian can truly discover their purpose for who they really are. You know, we talk about in our society today, I want to find myself. I want to know who I really am. The only way a human being, a Christian, can really find themselves and know what their purpose is and find fulfillment and satisfaction in this life is through spiritual growth. Because if I never grow, I will never truly reach my potential that God has planted in me, I will never really understand the purpose that God has for me on this earth apart from spiritual growth. And growth spiritually cannot take place apart from the word of God and knowing what God's word says. That's why Peter says, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word, the undiluted milk of the word, so that you and I can grow, grow. So, in these first couple of verses, what I want you to see, first of all, is that spiritual growth involves a proper understanding and estimation of who Jesus Christ is. Notice what Peter says in verse 1, that he is a willing slave and an apostle of this Jesus Christ. That it is only through the righteousness of Jesus Christ that one can even know God. In verse 2, he, or in verse 1, he uh, talks about Jesus Christ being our God and our Savior. In verse 2, he talks about Jesus being our Lord. In verse 3, he talks about Jesus possessing divine power. And in verse 4, he talks about Jesus possessing a divine nature. 
He is lifting Jesus Christ up. He's exalting him because one of the things that he is saying to all of us is you and I will never be able to grow until we really get nailed down in our life who Jesus is. We saw this in Peter's own life. Remember, as Jesus was talking to his followers one day, he said, you know, some people say I'm Elijah, come back from the dead. Some people say I'm, you know, Moses, all this. But who do you say that I am? And he looked at his disciples. And Peter was the one who said, you are the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the son of the living God. In other words, you're God. You're the promised Messiah. And remember, Jesus said to him, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, Peter, but my father who is in heaven revealed that to you. And it was because of that precise and correct knowledge about Jesus that Peter had the capacity and the ability to start growing and becoming who God created him to be, which is what he points out even in the names that he uses in verse one. Notice that Peter here uses both names. He uses his name Simeon or Simon and Peter because he wants us to understand that spiritual growth involves becoming who God wants me to be and what his purpose for my life is. When Simon met Jesus, he was Simon the fisherman. And Jesus came to him and said, Simon, along with all your other, you know, brothers and friends here who are fishermen, I want you now to follow me and I'll teach you to be fishers of men. And Simon, through his relationship with Jesus and through his spiritual growth, became Peter. And even the Peter in the book of Acts was totally different in many respects than the Peter in the Gospels. Why? Because of his spiritual growth. And Peter, we know, if you know his life, you know that his life went through some up and downs in his growth. We understand that too, because ours does the same thing. The same Peter that was willing to get out of the boat and walk on water miraculously toward Jesus was the same Peter who denied him around his crucifixion, but was also the same Peter just a couple weeks later on the day of Pentecost who was willing to proclaim Jesus in front of thousands of people and thousands came to know Jesus through his personal testimony. Peter was growing. And by even using these names, he's saying, look, when I met Jesus Christ, I was never the same. And through my spiritual growth, I became the Peter that God always wanted me to be. Because remember, when Jesus met Peter, he said, you will become Peter. You're not Peter now. You're not the rock that I have designed you to be. You're not the stone. You're not firm. Uh, as you're going to be, but you're going to become Peter. Folks, Jesus could say that about every one of us who are Christians here today, who have a relationship with him. He would say the same thing. He would say, look, when I made you and then you came into a personal relationship with, with me, I have a purpose for you. I have a plan for you. There's all this potential within you. And it's not what you are now that you need to focus on. It's what you could become. It's what I want you to become if you're willing to spiritually grow and become who I created you to be, who I see you to be, who I've equipped you to be. See, And again, this can only come through spiritual growth. Peter didn't become Peter overnight. 
It was through a process of spiritual growth. Simon didn't become Peter overnight. It was through steady, disciplined, spiritual growth. Another thing that spiritual growth involves is a receptive heart. Uh, Hearing with acceptance. That's exactly what the name, and I think why he uses the name Simeon or Simon here. That's what the name means. Hearing with acceptance, a receptive heart. See, if Simon wouldn't have been in a place where he was willing to listen to Jesus and listen to what Jesus had to say and the plan and purpose that Jesus had for his life, if he just shut Jesus down, then there would have never been a Peter. And that's, again, true of all of us. God may be speaking to you right now today saying, sir, ma'am, I have this plan for you. Are you willing to follow me and allow me to make you who I've always seen you to be? Are you willing to grow so that you can become who I created you to be and want you to be? Well, that takes a receptive heart on our part. That takes a willingness to say, like Peter did and the other disciples, I'm willing to follow you. And for them, it was, I'm even willing to leave being a fisherman and, and, and my fishing business and what's familiar to me to follow you because I'm understanding something. That your plan for my life is better than my plan. That, that your purpose for my life is going to be even greater and more satisfying and more fulfilling. If I just surrender to you, I'm going to find out who I really am. So Simeon Peter says he's a slave and an apostle of Jesus Christ. And then he says, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have been granted a faith just as precious as ours. Here's what Peter's saying. This is what else is involved in spiritual growth. That you and I have to understand and acknowledge and accept the fact That the resources that God has given us, the resources that God has planted within us is of equal value, equal worth to those of the apostles themselves. That's what Peter's saying to his readers. Don't miss that. Because many times Christians today go, boy, I'm deficient. If, If God would have just given me this or that, or if God would just have blessed me in this way, I could have, my life would have been different. If I could have just had the experience that Peter had to be able to walk with Jesus and talk with Jesus and to, to interact with him like he did, oh, I, I'd be a better Christian. I, I'd be more faithful. I, I'd be more committed. I'd be more sold out. I'd be more on fire. And here's what Peter's saying. Peter's saying, no, no, no. The faith, the the capacity and resources that God gave every Christian after the apostles was of equal value and equal worth to them. In other words, none of us, when we get to heaven, can say, well, God, I would have spiritually grown. I would have lived my life differently. I would have become who you created me to be. I would have reached my potential, but you didn't give me what I needed. See, what Peter is basically saying here, and he's going to say it again in verse 3 so that we all get it, 
is that none of us are deficient in what we need to spiritually grow and become who God created us to be. None of us. We all have been given a faith equal to that of the apostles themselves. We all have the Holy Spirit, if we're Christian, living within us. We all have the word of God. And we know that the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit is ultimately our teacher who teaches us what the word of God says. So therefore, we can truly know God in a deeper way because we've got the word of God and we've got the Holy Spirit. Then beyond that, we've got the church filled with gifted Christians who are here to build each other up and encourage each other. So Peter would, could just go on and on about all the things that God gives us to be able to grow. See, the, the question is never, God, you need to give me more in order for me to grow and reach my potential. The only thing that's hanging out there is, am I appropriating what God has already given? Am I using it? Am I affording myself of all the resources God has given? Again, this parallels to the physical world. We talked about that several weeks ago in 1 Timothy. How, you know, I could have a gym membership. I could have all this good food available to me on a daily basis for my nutrition and, and my diet. I could have a, a, a place where I can go and work out and exercise and keep myself in shape. But I've got to be the one, even though that may be available to me, I've got to be the one responsible to appropriate it in my life and, take, and make use of it. And what Peter is saying is the same thing is true spiritually. That basically God won't make us go into the spiritual gym every day. And God won't make us eat a good spiritual diet. But it's there. If we want to grow, if we want to get healthy spiritually, if we want to get into spiritual shape and stay fit and sustain it over the long haul, God has given us everything we need. Our responsibility is we've got to appropriate it. Which is why he says in verse 3, I can pray about your spiritual growth because his divine power has bestowed on us everything necessary for life and godliness. Don't miss that. Everything. Not everything I want, see, but everything that is necessary to experience real abundant life and godliness. And again, the word for life there is not the word bios, where we get our word just for physical life, just for being physically alive. It's the Greek word zoe, which is the word used in the New Testament to describe abundant life, a higher quality of life, a higher plane of life, a life that can rise above circumstances, a life that can handle anything that life brings, a strong life, a vibrant life. A fulfilling life, a satisfying life. God has given every believer everything necessary for this kind of life. And the only reason we're not experiencing it is because we're not growing. Because Peter's going to say, you grow, you get on a path of growth, and you stay on that path you will begin to experience life like God always intended. And you will find what the purpose is for why God created you and has you on the planet at this particular time. And you will begin to see all the potential and all that God has packed into you when he created you and he saved you and he put his spirit into you. But it's only through spiritual growth. 
that that happened. That's why it's sad to say many Christians either go through their life not understanding and knowing that they've got everything they need. And so they always feel like, God, you know, I'm deficient. I'm lacking in some way. And they're made even to feel that way sometimes when that's not biblical. Or secondly, they just never get to a point where it really matters. And that's a sad place to be too, where some Christians, I've talked to them. They'll look me right in the face and say, you know what, Jeff? All I care about is that I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven. Spiritual growth, nah. And yet they wonder why they go through life experiencing pain so much why they're never fulfilled, never satisfied, restless, why they never get settled in anything, anywhere, and they just try to run after this. Maybe that will make me feel better. No, that didn't. And and they're always running after the different things that the world says will make them happy and fulfilled and satisfied, but somehow they never surrender to what God says. This is what will make you fulfilled and satisfied. Surrender your life to me and start to grow. And you've got everything you need to do it. It's just our responsibility to take it and use it every day. And notice in verse 2, Peter says to us, may grace and peace be lavished on you. The word lavish means to increase, to be multiplied on you as you grow. Why would I need extra grace and peace from God as I'm growing? Because you and I all know if we are growing or we have experienced spiritual growth in the past, that it's not like we're just going to grow and there's not going to be any opposition, any obstacles, any challenges. Oh my goodness, no. That's why many Christians, when they commit to spiritual growth, it's like committing to maybe, you know, losing weight or getting in shape or whatever. There's a lot of things we could, oh, no, I'm not going to do that today. Because there's always something else I could do. There's always another choice I could make. There's so many distractions out there to keep me from doing what I know I should do and what I should prioritize. And then there's, you know, opposition within and opposition from outside. And the same thing is true spiritually. So I'm not here to say if you are spiritually growing or if you decide that's what I want, that's what I want to go after. Peter, you have inspired me to grow like never before. I don't want you to get the wrong idea that it's just going to be really easy and and everything's going to be cool because that's not the way it is in reality. Satan will throw up every roadblock he can because he doesn't want Christians to spiritually grow. Because he, if he can't keep us from being saved in the first place and having our sins forgiven and going to heaven, the next be- best thing for Satan is to keep us from experiencing God's best for us. And to see God's potential and all that he's placed within us to ever come to fruition. That's what Satan goes after. So if he can't get my soul, the next thing he'll go after is to discourage me at every turn from growing. And then we've got opposition from others and even our own flesh. Because it's hard work, just like anything that's worthwhile. And it, it takes discipline and it takes commitment. And it's not easy. And it's not going to be something that happens quickly. It's going to be a lifetime of just getting up every day. And as we've already talked about, practicing the spiritual disciplines of life and getting myself in shape and beginning to grow. 
That's why he says, I'm going to pray you have extra grace and peace as you grow. Because you're going to need it. You're going to need it. Because there's going to be so much along your pathway of spiritual growth where you're going to just say, it's too hard. I'm just giving up. I just don't, don't want to make that kind of a commitment. Too many other things that I want to get involved in, I want to do. But when we live that way, we never experience fulfillment and satisfaction. We never reach our potential. We never see really what God created us for. And I think that's going to be part of the sadness one day, if you will, before God wipes every tear from our eyes in heaven. Is it part of that sadness for many Christians is, I think God's going to begin to show them what could have been if they would have just, just grown. Here's what your life looked like, my child. And I love you. Here's what could have been. And so he goes on to say, may grace and peace be lavished on you as you grow in the rich knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. This is a term he uses several times in the book. In fact, even in these first four verses, you'll see it again in verse three. The rich knowledge. What's that mean? That means a precise, correct knowledge, which that's involved in spiritual growth. See, you and I can't grow if we're building our life on things that are lies, on things that are false. The only way we grow is to get it right, to be correct and precise about who God is and what his word says. That's the rich knowledge of God. That's, again, why many Christians don't grow. Because their knowledge is defective or deficient. They're either not taking in enough truth to be able to grow, or what they're taking in isn't truth at all. Which is why Jesus said that when you know me, you will begin to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That I'm looking for people to worship me in spirit and in truth. And the only way we will grow is to allow the truth of God to just invade our life and take us where God's truth wants to take. So again, in verse three, Peter says, I can pray about your spiritual growth because I know that his divine power has bestowed on us everything necessary for life and godliness through the rich knowledge of the one who called you by his own glory and excellence. A couple things before we move on to the last verse for today. This word bestowed, oh my goodness. Found in verse three and also found in verse four. Through these things he has bestowed on us his precious and most magnificent promises. This is a great word because this just raises the level of what God has done for us. See, this word bestowed means to offer a gift in order to honor. Don't miss, don't miss what Peter's saying here. Peter is saying, God has given you these resources. He's given you your gifts and, and all that is within you in order not to honor him, but to honor you. In other words, Peter is saying, do you realize, Christian, that your life will be way more honorable 
by you surrendering to just follow what God has for you. It will be a life beyond your imagination. And God has done this to honor you. There will be an honor for you, even in this life, if you follow God. You think about that even from a biblical perspective. Think about that even from Peter. Do we not in some way today as Christians honor Peter? We don't honor him because he was perfect, that's for sure. We know he made plenty of mistakes. But we honor the fact that this guy, with all of his faults and failures and everything, when when all was said and done, he hung in there with Jesus Christ and he kept growing. And he became the Peter that Jesus always envisioned him to be. And there's something, we, we admire that in some way. And God is saying through Peter, that same thing can be true of you. That if you're looking for admiration, you're looking for honor, then follow God's will and purpose for your life. There is built in honor because that's why God bestowed these gifts. That's why he gave us these resources because he understood that a human being's life truly will be a life of distinction and honor in this world if we just surrender to God's will and follow what God has for us. There is something honorable and respectful about that. If we want to live our own life and do our own thing, And say, this life is all about me, and I'm just going to be totally selfish and just do what I want. There's nothing honorable about that. We're certainly not going to get the applause or approval of God, and very few people who live that way get the applause and approval of other human beings. Nothing honorable about that. I think of Alex, and I think of other men and women here in our church that can identify with, you know, saying, I want to serve my country. Sacrifice. But there's something we honor them for that, right? That's what God is saying about our spiritual growth. That if we would be willing to commit ourselves to spiritually growing, there is something that God has built in that will honor us. That. Yeah, I mean, obviously, in turn, a life that's sold out to God certainly brings honor and glory to Him, but God is saying it also is going to honor you as well. And so He says, I can pray this because His divine power has bestowed on us everything necessary for life and godliness through the rich knowledge of the one who called us by his own glory and excellence. And don't miss that last phrase in verse 3. Because what Peter is saying is, yes, God has called us by his glory and excellence, but he's called us to his glory and excellence too. If we grow, we share in his glory. We share in his excellence. The word glory just means a glorious condition, an exalted state. And that's the destiny God has for believers. That's why Paul could say, God saved us. He raised us up to be seated with Christ in the heavenly. That's our destiny. That's why Paul could say to the Corinthians, why are you going to judges for your disputes amongst yourself? Is there no wise people in your local church that can decide these things? Don't you know you're going to judge the world one day and you're going to rule over even the angels of God? This is our eternal destiny. 
This is what God has for us. He's called us to his glory and to share in his excellence. And he wants us to begin to experience that right now. Right now. So Peter goes on to say, through these things that I've already talked about, all these resources, Peter lays one more out there specifically. He says, through these things, he has bestowed on us also these precious and most magnificent promises. The word precious could also mean priceless promise. The words most magnificent speak of something that that is so important and, and so weighty that we esteem it very highly. And Peter is saying, so don't miss Christian. That, that one of the things that's going to get you there and help you on your way towards spiritual growth and encourage you on your way towards spiritual growth are the promises of God. And it's not just knowing those promises up here in my head. It's believing them and trusting in them in my life and in my heart. Let me give you just a couple as an example. Just a couple promises. Book of Romans, chapter 8. Paul says to the Romans, do you know, Christian, that nothing will ever be able to separate you from the love of God in Jesus Christ? Nothing. Nothing. That's a promise from God. Nothing will ever be able to separate you from God's love. Second one I think of, where Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You hear me? That's a promise. I will never leave you or forsake you. Another one, Philippians 4.19. Paul says to the Philippians, My God will supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Promises. And Peter's saying, if we really believe the promises of God, here's what's going to begin to happen. So that by means of what was promised, you may become partakers of the divine nature. See, again, this is the purpose for our spiritual growth. Not just to save us and to forgive us of our sins and get us on the way to heaven. God's purpose is so that you and I may become a partaker of the divine nature. What's that mean? Well, first of all, here's what it doesn't mean. Through our spiritual growth, we will never become gods. Never. There will always be a distinction between God and everything else that he created. And there are certain attributes of God that we call incommunicable attributes. God can never share these attributes with any of his creation because then he would cease to be God and others would be God, it it would just mess everything up. So that's why we'll never be almighty, all-powerful, like God. We'll never be omniscient, all-knowing. Even when we get to heaven, we'll never be omnipresent, meaning God's everywhere in some way. We'll, We'll never share those attributes that separate who God is from everything else he ever created. But we can share what we call the communicable attributes of God. 
And a good place that you can find those, one place, is in the book of Galatians chapter 5, where Paul lists the fruit of the Spirit. Because what Paul's basic said, as I grow as a Christian, as I allow the Holy Spirit control in my life, I can be loving like God is loving. I can be joyful like God is joyful. I can be peaceful and experience God's peace like God does. I can experience self-control like God does. I can, I can have the patience of God in my life. See? That's what it means to be a partaker of the divine nature. In fact, up into the other verse that talks about, in verse 3, where it talks about he's given us everything necessary for life and godliness. That's what the word godliness basically means, too. We, we could say godlikeness in that way. That I can begin to have the attitude and character of God as I live my life. That's what the word godliness means. That's what it means to be a partaker of the divine nature. Wow. But Peter's saying the only way that can happen is through my spiritual growth, through my appropriating and truly believing in and trusting in and placing my confidence in the promises of God. I might know the promises of God up here, but if I'm not resting in them, if I'm not living by those promises, then I will never be a partaker of the divine nature and I will never reach my potential and I will never see what God had planned for me and why he created me the way he did. And I will always be searching and running after significance and fulfillment and satisfaction in this life and I will never find it. Because Peter's saying, the only way you'll really ever find it and be at peace is to find Jesus and then begin to grow in what Jesus has for you. And Peter's saying, I'm a living example, guys. I was just a, I wasn't, I wasn't a king. I, I wasn't anybody famous or powerful when Jesus met me. I was just a fisherman on the Sea of Galilee. But when Jesus came into my life, and I was willing to follow him and surrender my life to him and go after him and spiritually grow, I became Peter. I became the one who wrote some of the New Testament. I became the one that God used on the day of Pentecost. I became one of the early church leaders and apostles, a fisherman from Galilee, a nobody in most people's eyes. And God says, same thing can be true of you. You might not think much of yourself. You may not have been from a family of power and prestige. and You may not even in now have some great position as far as the world goes. But if you surrender your life to me, you'll find in this life everything you could imagine and more. So then he says that if we Embrace these promises by means of what was promised. You and I may become partakers of the divine nature after escaping the worldly corruption that is produced by evil desire. Another thing that spiritual growth involves is living for what really matters. For the eternal, what's going to last? See, Peter's saying, if you came to Christ already and you're a Christian, you realize you don't have to still be living your life after things that are corrupt. And the word corruption just means disintegrating, decaying, uh, 
deteriorating. Peter's saying, all those people out in the world that don't have a relationship with God or Christians who have a relationship with God but don't grow, they run after everything in this life that will eventually slip through their fingers. They're running after everything in life and making life all about stuff that when they die, they can't take it with them. It's going to be left for somebody else. And, oh, it never really lasts anyway. It just wears out. It decays. It deteriorates. It disintegrates. It's always, what's the next thing coming down? I think that myself, I was watching a little bit of the news this morning on, on, you know, obviously the Middle East and whatever, but also they had this story on a new phone. I'm like, do they put out a new phone every week? Or is that just me, you know? That's the world we live in today. Just on to the next thing. And Peter's saying, did we not escape that when we came to Christ? Did not God give us a higher calling and and a higher reality than just living in this world and getting caught up in stuff that really won't matter and won't last? Isn't our life supposed to be about laying up treasure in heaven and what's really important and what really matters instead of what's going to just fall through our fingers? And so Peter is saying, spiritual growth involves investing in what really matters. Because didn't we flee from the worldly corruption that is produced through our evil desire of just always wanting more and it never really satisfies or fulfills anyway, didn't Christ change all that? Then Peter's saying, why are you still on that road? Get on the road of spiritual growth. In closing, turn over to 2 Peter chapter 3 for just a moment. Last two verses. Peter says, therefore, dear friends, verse 17 of 2 Peter 3, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard that you do not get led away or led astray by the error of these unprincipled men that he's talking about. We'll get to in a couple weeks in chapter two and fall from your firm grasp on the truth. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the honor both now and on that eternal day. Peter is reminding us of this. I've shared this with you before. If a Christian is not growing, then we're going backwards. There is no such thing in the Bible as remaining static. At getting to a certain point and just sort of hovering there and staying there. See, in the Bible, the Bible says either we're growing and moving forward or we're falling backward. And Peter says, the whole reason I believe God's Spirit inspired me to write this and to inspire you as Christians to grow and instruct you on what growth is all about is because if you don't keep growing, because growth is the only antidote and prescription against falling backwards, if you don't keep growing, you will fall away. You will fall backward. You will start going backward. That's why every Christian's primary priority should be their own spiritual growth. See, unlike it is today, Christians choose local churches for all kinds of different reasons. 
I hear very, very few Christians say to me, the reason I go to my local church is because that's where I'm growing spiritually. If you doubt that, start asking Christians around why they go to the church they go to. Because here's my point. To me, the number one reason you should choose the church you go to, the number one reason you should choose to hang around the Christians that you hang around with when you do, the number one reason why you should read your Bible and pray and all of that is because your number one desire is to spiritually grow. Because you know that will take care of everything. And can I tell this is coming from someone who has an extensive counseling background. I've counseled for years. And I tell people now, one of the things I've learned through my own spiritual growth is 90% of the people who, Christians even, who go for counseling, even Christian counseling, they could save themselves a lot of dollars and a lot of time if they would just get on the track of spiritual growth. Because what they're going to counseling for and what they're trying to wrestle with and deal with in counseling is something that if they just started to grow, they would overcome it themselves. But they don't want to grow. They want some kind of quick fix. And God says, no, the answer is spiritual growth. Spiritual growth. As our worship team comes to lead us in this final song, I want to leave you with this thought. Spiritual growth doesn't happen when we sit back passively. It's not just going to happen. It's not like, okay, God, I, I, I'm just going to you know, stay here and wait for you to grow me. Again, it doesn't work that way. Because God's not going to force anything on us. So what spiritual growth entails is that I've got to be active. I've got to be very intentional and deliberate about the choices and decisions that I'm making as a Christian to put myself in a place, in an environment where I can start to grow and keep on growing. What's that look like for you? What decision or choice do you need to make or maybe stay with and stick with right now? To keep you on a path of spiritual growth. Knowing that God's given you everything you need. It's just a matter of, are we going to appropriate it in our own life? Let's stand and sing to the Lord today.